counterfeit heartworm drugs, fake cancer cures, and sketchy pet care service providers. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And the veterinary and pet world has been rocked by a recent slate of stories talking about counterfeit drugs and fake cures and all kind of nonsense out there. This week, we're going to dive into how we are handling it, how you should communicate these challenges with your clients, and what we can do as a profession to better provide safe and reliable treatments for our patients. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And the veterinary world was rocked once again by allegations that fake heartworm preventives were being hawked on Amazon.com. In addition to that, a story broke that somebody had been selling counterfeit cancer medications going back for at least six to seven years. Becky, what the heck is going on? I, I just think it's super scary, right? Like, I don't know what's going on, but I think this is kind of our, our worst nightmare in the veterinary industry. And I know it's been long standing with us when we talk to our clients about buying products from, you know, from us and from retailers that we trust. And it's been, you know, important to us. And we've always said, you know, well, because we can't guarantee products you purchase online, we, you know, have seen counterfeit cases. But I don't know, I guess it's always kind of been something that it happened long enough ago that I think that there's been a lot of regulation put in place to try to get in front of this. And it's something I felt like we were getting safer from. So I don't know. I'm taking this pretty hard, to be perfectly honest. Um, as you know, I, you know, I'm a tech champion with Boehringer. I, my dogs get heart guard, I believe very strongly in their product in seeing counterfeit product, seeing pet owners thinking they're doing the right thing, but also trying to work within a budget and being taken advantage of like, I'm pretty pissed and I'm, I'm pretty upset about this. It's, this is scary stuff. And then, and then cancer drugs, please don't even, are you kidding me? Well, let's first turn our attention to the fake heart guard. This story was first announced by a veterinary clinic called Lakeville Family Pet Clinic in Minnesota. And here's how the story went. They had a dog that they diagnosed with heartworm disease. The owner says, hey, I've been given heartworm every month religiously, not me. And they asked them to bring in the package. And lo and behold, it's a pretty blatant ripoff. I mean, it's it doesn't look like HeartGuard at all. Well, at least to us, but to a client, I guess they don't know the difference. And it was being sold for the whopping sum of $55. Now, Becky, to me, that should have been one of the first tip-offs. It's like, hey, why is this so cheap? Well, I mean, I know, but like, so I argue, <laughs> I think it looks just like HeartGuard. And the only, you know, what they did was they added the 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 logo, the heart logo over the, the two A's. And so if there was some kind of rebranding of a product, think about how often products do rebrand. You may not know. I think this could be really easily um, 
I think this could be this could be easily mistaken when I look at these two boxes. Right. Um, and so, you know, these boxes are all over the Internet. You can take a look at them and see what you think. But I think this is something that really could have easily been a, a mistake. And then, uh, you know, it's true. The, the dropping drug price thing, I guess when I, I think back of, you know, when I was a first time pet owner, zero knowledge pet owner, you know, and I was looking for the best deal. You could convince me it, it, it was as good as it was and never too good to be true because sometimes when you're in the position to want to believe something um that being said one thing that really upsets me about this is it stated that there were several comments on these products on the amazon site warning it looked counterfeit it was counterfeit so to your point people did notice the difference and mentioned uh, against it and it, and it wasn't addressed i guess in time um but to me, this is pretty scary stuff. And as usual, I feel like the veterinary industry right, is right. not on the front end of fixing it. And, and to be fair, Amazon did the right yeah. thing. As soon as these uh, allegations were brought to them, they immediately removed this product line and I guess the whoever was selling it uh, from their stores. But, you know, Becky, come on. This is a little bit like whack-a-mole because, you know, I mean gone today, different one tomorrow. I, I don't think this will go away, uh, especially when you consider the billions, the tens of billions of dollars being spent on pet pharmaceuticals. And, you know, this really gets back to the whole thing of, okay, look, if we're going to ensure safety for these products, for our pets, our pet patients and our clients, uh, this is why that whole VCPR becomes really salient to the conversation. This is why those prescriptions are needed because, you know, Becky, again, sometimes in an unregulated marketplace, I mean, bad actors emerge just like this. Right, exactly. And, you know, there is a lot of regulation in place. Um, you know, three regulatory uh, effects that they talk about is brand registry, transparency, and Project Zero, which are all put in place to try to protect against these types of things happening. I mean, it includes everything from reporting to serial numbers that are traced, you know, to, you know, having um, technology protection. And I'm thinking to myself, it's still happening. We have all of these means in place and and we're still seeing this happen. So I guess the question is, you know, how do we get in front of it and and how do we make sure this isn't happening to our clients without coming off like we're just trying to get a buck. And it's like, I feel like that's been the biggest problem for a lot of us is people are like, well, I can get that online less expensive. And then we come back and say, we can't guarantee that product. The manufacturer can't always guarantee that product. There's a lot of concerns around that. And I, and then, and then immediately I feel like in so many cases, our clients like, well, you're, you know, you're just trying to make money off of me. Yeah. So if you're uh, out there, viewfinders, I would encourage you to go online, print out some of these stories, share them on your social media, let people know this is legit. This is not something that we're just sort of sensationalizing. This is happening today. Right. Sadly, a dog in Minnesota, right. Minnesota got heartworm disease as a result of being given counterfeit heartworm preventive heart guard. Uh, and, you know, my question immediately when I saw this story breaking was, okay, this was HeartGuard. What about all the other brands? I mean, I can't imagine that it was just limited to this one incident. My guess is this is more widespread than we know. And look, good on Amazon. As I mentioned earlier, they are taking 
as many steps as they can to help prevent this from happening. But Becky, this is, again, whack-a-mole. Yep, I know, exactly. And so, you know, I love the idea that this clinic actually thought to get their hands on the product themselves. And I think it kind of bumps back to the manufacturers. What are the manufacturers going to be able to do to get in, in front of these types of things? But again, I think this comes from proactive education for our clients because, my whole life, I've always kind of said, if I tell you if it's a, it's a reason, right? If I, if I come to you and I tell you something, it's a reason. If you ask me about it, it sounds more like an excuse. And so I think this is part of like puppy education. This is part of first visit education. This should be in our newsletters. This should be on our websites. This should be part of what all of our staff know to have a conversation about. We should have an elevator speech about the importance of guaranteed products, the concerns for counterfeit products. This is something we need to be on the forefront of informing our clients about, not trying to explain it when they bring it to us. And this is, I just feel like really, really important education for our clients. But at the same time, too, um, I think we're leaning to these regulations to do their job and these regulatory agencies to be protecting us. And it's it's terrifying to me to think that we're not able to do that. And, and like you said, this is going to continue. Like, what about people who bought these products in bulk and are selling it, um, you know, feed store or pet store or just like some place, you know, I, I'm really worried about the where all of this product went. And I don't know Amazon's process for tracking down people who have purchased it and maybe being able to to get in front of that. They did release a statement. They are, you know, investigating. They will pursue legal action and they've removed the quote unquote bad actor. Yeah, good point. So they've done, like you said, what they can. But I have some major concerns about residually what will happen here um, and how it's going to happen. And I guess this kind of makes me think about when we talk to our clients, right, when we're taking a, a history right. and we ask if they're current on prevention, are we asking where they got it, how they got it? Are we asking them to bring it into the clinic with them so we can look at it when it didn't get dispensed from us? And is this something that we maybe need to introduce as a protocol? Yeah, it's a great question and a valid point because at what point do you go too far? I mean, right, I think most most of us in clinical practice today sort of say, okay, we trust you. If you say you got it online, that's really where the conversation stops. I mean, sometimes we say, you know, was it 1-800-PET-MEDS? Was it Chewy? Was it Amazon or whatever? But we really don't push beyond that. And this is a reminder that perhaps we should ask them to bring it in. I don't know how, you know, effective that will be. Uh, but yeah, Becky, I think we need to, to take this conversation a little further. Speaking of, of taking advantage of people, counterfeit, phony, and fake, uh, the next story really is the kind that incenses me, and I think it's going to infuriate you, viewfinders. And that was a Pennsylvania man was recently convicted of selling just fake cancer drugs. Now, he is selling a fantasy, a hope, a prayer for the most desperate of pet parents, right? Somebody whose dog has been diagnosed with a terminal cancer. And this guy was claiming that he had magical drugs. I mean, it's uh, Tumexil and Naturazone and stuff like that. I mean, they actually kind of sounded medicine-y, <laughs> pharmaceutical-wise. Um, and and he, he is now facing 32 years in prison, 1.25 million in fines and charges. Uh, Becky, this is different than counterfeit drugs. This is outright fraud. I mean, how did you feel when you saw this story breaking? You know, I guess I just feel oh, so many things. I guess the first thing is I just feel really disappointed. I'm really disappointed that 
our society even includes people who would take care, take advantage of people the way that we, you know, regularly see. And I guess it's pure ignorance on my part and in rose colored glasses. It's just, um, I just hate to think that there are people out there who see an opportunity to take advantage of people who want to believe in something and, and have a hope and to offer them hope in, in truly just right. taking their money and knowing that there really is none. And, and I guess so if I had to say in one word, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. To- total creepo. I mean, you right. know, I mean, honestly, but the other part of the equation is you mentioned it, but it's this ignorance. So now there are desperate pet parents and I get it. Right. right? And we've all faced cancer. Uh, you faced it in your own pets. Me too. Uh, we've had it in our families, yeah. but you know, there was also this line of science that we sort of drew and we go, well, you know, Hey, the coffee enema is probably not going to cure my dad. Right. You know, so, um, I wish it would, but you know, we kind of, we kind of, um, didn't do that. <laughs> but here, apparently, there are people that are ignorant or desperate or just fantastical enough to to buy this. So that's the other part of the equation. And that's what's on us as a profession, Becky. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about. Because how do we dissuade, disencourage, <laughs> somehow, you know, obviate the desire for people to go online and search for cancer cure for my dog? So how, how can we better articulate to that pet owner that, hey, we're doing everything we can. Here are the legitimate scientific evidence-based treatments that we have for you so that they don't go and waste their time and hopes on a on an internet dream. How can we do that? Yeah. You know, I think that, it, you know, and I can't speak to all of the situations everywhere. I think in a very general, um, I think speaking very generally, we sometimes underestimate the importance of a relationship with our client. Sure. And we are brilliant people who are hard workers with big hearts who want have to, you know, when you're having a cancer conversation, you're literally talking to a client about one of the scariest things that they might hear, something that they fully understand, like a word they fully understand as bad, you know, Um and so when we're having these conversations, I think we do sometimes, um, it's natural to kind of detach yourself a little bit and to try to have a science-based conversation without bringing your heart to the table too much um, out of just some self-perseverance and to, to, to try to be really having a scientific conversation. Right. But I think when we get to the bottom of it, the relationship that we have with our clients is so important. And I think we need to remember things like, sitting down and being eye level. And I think we need to remember things like our body language. And I think we need to slow down and talk to them and ask about their fears and ask about their concerns. And in doing this, we can have real true conversations about how they're feeling and doing in an effort to um, really give them the opportunity to open up. Because I feel like if we don't give them that, then there is more potential. And and this is by no means trying to say we're not doing enough. But if we don't have those conversations in a way that they bring it to the table with us and, and they're open about it, then they go home and do these types of searches. Yeah, that's brilliant. And viewfinders, my approach, uh, and I was, you know, in practice when the internet became a thing. Uh, and so we started to see clients accessing information, some good, some bad, some questionable, some evidence-based. I mean, you know, the drill. And I remember, you know, I wrote an early article back in the late nineties, maybe the early 2000 time period where I, I did this, this article and prescribe a website. Right. And, you know, obviously it could be 
a blog, a social media, whatever these days. And what I was trying to encourage vets to do was to understand and acknowledge and accept that pet parents were going to seek information outside of the clinic, right? And so I said, let's just embrace that. And so when I dealt with a, a condition like cancer or chronic kidney failure or even diabetes, I mean, any number of terminal or, or longstanding uh, chronic conditions, what I would tell them is this, is say, look, you know what? Um, here's our treatment plan. And we did whatever the treatment plan was, right? We said, here's what we're saying. But I know that you're going to have a lot of questions and I know that you're going to want to go and do tons of Google searches. And I want you to, I want you to educate yourself as much as possible. But what I would really ask you to do is before you like purchase something from the internet, so there's some supplement or some cure or even some service that you're interested in, run it by me first. Uh, there are a lot of things out there that I think are great and might be of benefit to Buster. But there are some things that could actually interfere with our treatment plan. And so if you would, just before you go buy something, just run it by me because I want to know what's out there. And number two, I want to know how to help you best. And, you know, Becky, that sort of unlocked a lot of stress and anxiety from the client because they, you know, I think a lot of times they feel guilty, like, oh, you know, I'm going behind Dr. Ward's back. And I wanted them to feel comfortable. Go research, please. But just do me this favor, right? Before you press purchase, just let me know. And I was surprised over the years, the number of grapeseed extracts for cancer and, you know, and, and gold flecked foods that, that were run by me. And, you know, I would be able to typically say, you know, say with a little bit of reasoning, because, you know, again, people knew that it was a bit of a stretch probably, and they were hoping that it might work. But, you know, I found that most people were reasonable and logical. And there were some people that just didn't, they were like, dude, I'm trying it anyway. You know, what have I got to lose? And that's okay too. But, you know, I think that this particular case about this Pennsylvania man who's just flat out hawking fake cancer drugs, I think we could avoid. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're I think you're right. And again, that kind of just plays that that relationship and opening up the ground to say, you know, um, I'm here for these conversations. I want to talk about, you know, what options there are out there. Uh, and, and I want to hear, you know, what you are going to want to try. And again, I think it can go back to, why is it that you're thinking about doing this right. or what is it about this that you find attractive? And then viewfinders, I also kind of, as we wrap up today's conversation, <laughs> not a tough topic, uh, we also need to discuss services. There are a preponderance, an explosion in growth of non-licensed, uncredentialed pet care providers out there. And we're seeing this with some of the dog walking and dog sitting services where some things may be you know, weren't checked out thoroughly and some people, you know, had some some horrible, horrible tragedies on their hands. Um, but, you know, Becky, I'd like to, to talk a little bit about that because, you know, how can we help our, our clients, the pet parents that depend on us, you know, how can we help them sort of vet out these services? Uh, again, walking and dog sitting, you know, those, that's one aspect, but, you know, this extends into training, into grooming, you know, this extends into, I mean, they're all kind of like, just regular people out there giving nutritional counseling. Becky, help me. That's it. I mean, and, and it's not even just, unfortunately, drugs and people who are putting counterfeit products out there. It's actually people we trust with our pets and service providers that are, are you know, we're seeing get in trouble for things like animal abuse. And unfortunately, in our home state, a story recently broke of a daycare worker who's now being charged with animal abuse because she's seen on video literally physically and yeah. verbally abusing dogs in this daycare clinic. 
Right. And so the challenge for us viewfinders is how do we discern the potentially harmful, dangerous, life-threatening service provider from the legitimate great people who are just as caring and compassionate as we are? And I would say, Becky, it's not as easy as just do an internet search. This is why we keep saying, look, we want to be part of that decision-making process. And, you know, Becky, you have long been a champion of us aligning with people outside of our clinics, you know, not walling ourselves off, as we often say here on the podcast. But, you know, this is part of now the dilemma that pet owners face, right? It's not just, well, is what I'm buying actually authentic, but is the person who I'm trusting to walk my dog or be a dog sitter or a kennel or even a groomer, are they going to like hurt my dog? Yeah, right. Exactly. I think, and we, and we've had, we've talked about this on the podcast before in terms of helping, how do you align with the professionals in your area? Because that's exactly right. When you have a patient who is undergoing some type of therapy, right? Or or maybe nothing at all, right? But you have this dog who's, you know, maybe um, being treated for cancer. And so they are inclined to go find this miracle cancer treatment supplement, whatever is out there. Even if it's not that, they may be looking for adjunctive therapy. So again, first of all, and redundant as I am, is most importantly, let's get in front of it. Let's talk about to our clients more instead of talking at them. You know, we should be asking our clients a lot of questions, you know. Right. We should be providing these things up front. There should be some, you know, um, tactile information for them that says, um, okay, your pet has this condition. Here are some things that we know work. Uh, you know, here's our treatment plan. Here's some other things. Here's acupuncture. Here's massage. Here's chiropractics. Here's nutritional supplements. Here's dietary support. And, you know, here are the people we work with and trust. And, and unfortunately, so frequently, uh, what I see in clinics is, you know, the person that brings me Christmas right. cookies or the person that asks to put their cards or their pamphlets out are the people we literally just hand this pamphlet over. I have no idea really who it is, but I have something I can hand you, so I feel good about that. Yes. And, you know, I think when you are a veterinarian and maybe you own the practice, whatever you've got going on, you're like, I'm just too busy. Like, I'm so busy. I can't figure out who these people are. Um, you need to be delegating that out in your right. clinic to somebody who right. wants to and can and will vet these people and have really good aligned relationships. You're doing it with your specialists. There's not a reason to not do it in every aspect and be the center and the core of that pet's health care. Um, it's 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 essential. They're looking to you for that. And they if they don't get it from you, they're going to go get it. They're go- like they're not going to say, well, Dr. Ernie didn't recommend an acupuncturist, so I'm not going to ask about it. I'm not going to do it. They're going to say I'm going to go right. find one. <laughs> Right. And and again, Becky, that is brilliant insight and viewfinders. I just want to repeat it. You know what I think what I've I've desperately tried to do in my nearly 30 years of, of clinical practice is to be the hub of this wheel of pet care. Right. So we're like the central hub and we then extend out. Now, some of the services, some of the products we sell directly at the hub and then others, we have to use a spoke to connect you to another service provider or product sales. And and that's really where we we failed. We walled ourselves off early on in our profession. And I think that's led to some of this bad actors like counterfeit and fake. Yeah. And I think if you don't have these people in your area necessarily or don't have a personal relationship with them, then you have a responsibility to familiarize yourself with the governing bodies. So, you know, if you are 
you know, maybe you're not really familiar with every supplement out there, but you can be familiar with the governing bodies that say supplements are what they say they are and the stamps of approval. If you don't have an acupuncturist or a massage therapist or a nutritional counselor in your area that you're familiar with and working with, you know, that's perfectly fine. But there are governing bodies associated with these organizations and these individuals that you can be at least referring your clients to to be making sure that they're ending up with somebody who has a certification and as much knowledge as possible in an area. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So again, you know, viewfinders, this is just back to us. I mean, you know, when it comes to the fake heartworm preventive, I mean, or counterfeit, I should say, um, you know, we need to be doing a better job of communicating some of the potential risk, make sure that we give them trusted providers, tell them to look at the reviews, right? I think some of that, that particularly that case in Minnesota, I mean, the reviews were already saying, whoa, guys, I got this box and it sure didn't look like my last, you know, three boxes I got for my vet. Uh, so again, trying to give them some steps and a process to help determine that. Number two, have an open conversation saying, you know, hey, I want you, I know you're going to explore and educate yourself, but before you purchase that cancer cure that you found, you know, on the dark web, I mean, run it by me first as the veterinarian uh, or the veterinary professional in charge. And then finally, you know, I think that we really need to be a part of the decision-making process when it comes to service providers, whether it's a kennel, whether it's a dog walker, a dog sitter, whether it's a, as you mentioned, acupuncture, you know, you name it, groomer. I think that veterinarians need to serve as that hub so that people say, hey, is this the right choice for my pet? Can you help me? Yeah, that's exactly right. And the the only other thing I think I would recommend for individuals to consider is making sure that they have utilized technology. I mean, you can set up Google Alerts to get news around these types of things. It's so important for us to be in front of these stories bringing them to our clients, telling them that this is happening and telling them how to get in front of it. So make sure you you are looking for these types of things going on out there so your clinic can be in front of them. Yeah, and I would encourage you, you know, we've talked about this multiple times, both here and lectures and writing, uh, but just type in Google Alerts in Google Chrome. <laughs> And then it's going to give you a little uh, section where you can have a personalized things. Veterinary, pet care, you know, uh, Calabash, North Carolina. I mean, things like that. You can be as specific or as general as you'd like, but I would encourage you. I get about a dozen or so of these uh, Google alert reports every day. Uh, you can actually set the frequency to whatever you desire, but I would encourage you to do this so that you see these stories. I mean, Becky and I watched this this uh, counterfeit heart guard sort of just roll and then gain steam, and that's why we're talking with our viewfinder family about it. But, you know, again, make sure you're in front of this. I would encourage you, Google alert around your community, around pets, around dogs, cats, veterinary, your name. Uh, and so that way, if you are, you know, peeking up on some little blog post somewhere, you've got a better shot, like Becky said, of staying in front of it. Well, viewfinders, we want to know what you think about counterfeit heartworm, fake cancer drugs, and maybe some questionable service providers out there. You know, how are you addressing it with your clients? How are you starting that conversation? What tools are you providing to help them during the decision-making process? And, you know, what do you think we should do as a profession? I mean, should, should people be locked up and go to jail or should we just shut down their business? Do you think we can actually beat the counterfeit heartworm and flea preventives of the world or is it just a big old gnarly game of whack-a-mole we want to hear from you that's right you can reach out to us on our facebook at veterinary viewfinder on instagram at vet viewfinder and you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast make sure while you're there you click to subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the veterinary viewfinder and colleagues make sure you share this 
content with a friend, a, a person who would benefit from it, whether it's a pet parent or whether it's uh, a, your associate veterinarian or manager, let them know that there's discussions like this occurring out there because at the end of the day, what Becky and I are trying to do by bringing you guests and content like this is to actually somehow help you and your practice. We want to do better as veterinary professionals and conversations really is where it starts, sharing ideas freely. So be sure and share this podcast with somebody else. And don't forget, leave us a review on iTunes because that is actually how the master AI algorithm determines who gets to hear our stuff. So if there are pet parents and veterinary professionals out there looking for content like this, we need those stars to reach them. Until next time, bye. Good things. Of course.